Good morning, everybody. So glad you guys are here today. Uh, I can hear through the, uh, the sounds of wheezing and coughing throughout the room that you're experiencing much what I'm experiencing today as well. And uh, last night was a late night. I don't know what it is. Somebody can inform me later that it happens at about this time of August and September every year, but it just gets me. And uh, last night I ended up, after many hours of struggling, I just ended up with a washcloth over my head <laughs> and just many prayers. Oh God, you know, let the allergies please subside. And uh, so I, I just want you to know, first of all, I'm on some medication today. So if I say anything that I shouldn't, just know it's not my fault. It's the fault of whatever I'm on. And uh, so it's all good. Uh, I do love the fall. I don't like the allergies, but I do like the fall season. Uh, even though we're at the end of summer now, I, I, I like the fact that our kids are getting back into a regular routine. Amen, parents, all right? They're getting back into a regular routine. It's good. And uh, they're going back to school. Our, our kids are all in transition this year. It seems like Jason went from homeschool to junior high, and he's playing football this year. And, and uh, then Becca, you know, she's still at the high school, but she's also taking CCP classes at Sinclair, so taking some college classes this year. Hannah is transitioning from high school to college, going to Sinside Christian this year, and so she's already in her dorm and ready to go, and they start classes tomorrow, and then Benjamin's going back to OU uh, tomorrow, and he starts classes next week, and so first, the first thing that tells you is that I'm old, all right, and our kids are, are getting old and uh, older, and uh, so it's amazing how life happens very quickly and how it changes, but if you're like me, you both... Uh, you look, you look forward to these moments, but you also, and you enjoy them, but, and you enjoy the transitions, but there's also this other side of, wow, life is changing, right? And uh, dealing with that in a very positive way, and, and yet also you realize there are some changes happening. And, and, uh, but we are in this new season, and I hope you guys, as you come back to church, we have a couple of new series coming up. We're in one right now called I Have Decided, I Have Decided, so for four weeks uh, today, starting today, today is I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And then we're going to go three more weeks on I Have Decided. And then after that, we're going to have a series called But God. And we're going to talk about the greatness of God in the midst of our challenges. We're going to do that through most of the month of, uh, of all of the month of October and uh, some of the month of September as well. So encourage you guys to be a part of all of what's going to be happening here. And uh, as we start today, I just thought I would pray. God, we just give you thanks for your grace and your goodness to us. Thank you for a new season. Thank you, God, for giving us strength that we need every day. And thank you for just allowing us to be part of this family, this church family, this local team. God, we know you have a lot a lot bigger team uh, around the world, but God, we're, we're going to play our part. We're going to love each other and love the world. We're going to figure out ways to build relationships with people and help more and more people come into faith in Christ. And today, God, we celebrate that because we have some, some decisions that are going to be made today. And so we're thankful for, for that and what we're about to experience today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, Josh and I were at a conference, a church planting conference in Florida. It's the largest church planting conference in the world. And we came across a guy that I had known over the years. In fact, he was a coach of mine as we got into uh, planting a church. And I went to his church and uh, visited with them out west and got to know him and his ministry. And so he really became, in some ways, a coach, a mentor to us. But we ran into him in the hallway then in this church planting conference, and he said, hey, how are you guys doing? How's the church? This is three or four years ago now. And uh, we were like, Jim, it's going well. You know, it's got a ups, and ups and downs as any new endeavor does. And, and Jim Putman gave us some advice. I have shared this with you before, but 
it is so critical and so important. It's really helped me frame a lot of uh, thinking when it comes to my own part in decisions and other people's parts in decisions. And he just said, guys, listen, when it comes to church planting, you have to think of three things. You have to think of God's part. You have to think of my part. You have to think of your part. And he said, in all relationships, if you think those three things, it's going to really help you. For example, he said, what is your part in church planting? We said, well, our part in church planting is to uh, help lead people, encourage people, pray a lot, and uh, lead people to Christ and, and uh, present the message and, and so on and so forth. He said, well, what is God's part? He said, God's part is to bring the harvest. God's part is to bring results. God's part is to do what God does, to offer that grace, forgiveness, etc. And, and that really helped because he's like, guys, you have to relax on, you know, you do your part really hard, but don't try to do God's part. You, you let him do his part. You let him grow his church. Well, we took that little God's part, your part, and my part, and I've discovered that as you apply that to different relationships, even as I've counseled with people, it's, it's critically important. For example, does that work in a marriage? Now, we have two people together, and you have one part, another part, and God's part. You say, well, what's my part in a marriage? My part is to be loving, to be supportive, to be sacrificial, to, uh, to be responsible, these kind of things. You say, well, what's your spouse's part? To be loving, to be servant, to be responsible, to be sacrificial. Same idea. But how many of you know that I get in trouble when I try to do my wife's part? Amen? Or how many of you know I get in trouble when I try to tell my wife that she should be doing her part? You know what I mean? Say, now you need to be responsible, sacrificial, and loving. And uh, that doesn't go very well. Because when I do my part and she does her part, it comes together very nicely. But what is God's part? God's part is that he allows the Spirit to convict us or challenge us or comfort us. God's part is to set the example, which he did in the Bible, to show us what love is all about, to give us his guidance. God's part is disciplining when necessary or consequences when necessary. But that's God's part. Now, I'm in trouble if I try to do God's part. If I try to sit in the seat of judgment or, or what have you and I say, well, Here's all the things that you're doing wrong, and here's how I need to convict you, or here's how I need to change you. How many of you, again, know that's not the right seat for me to sit in? That's God's job. God has to do that. God has to convict. My job is to do my part and my part alone. And it works also in business. I say, well, if you have your part as an employee or as a staff member or as somebody I work with, you do your part, you do your job, I'll do my job, I can't do your job, you can't do my job, let's each be successful in what we do, and let's let God bring the results for the company or for the corporation. And so when you do this, I think it's really very helpful. God's part, my part, and your part. Now, nowhere is this more important than when it comes to the issue of salvation and where we're going to spend eternity. God has a role in our salvation, a critical role, but so do we. And that's what I want to lay out to you today because today is decision day. I have decided to follow Jesus. And we are going to go from this place here in just a little while. You're, we're, going to, we're going to transition and transfer over to uh, the baptismal pool in Lebanon, outside of Lebanon. And we have directions for you out here. And we have several people today that are going to be baptized into Christ. And today is a day of decision. And so what I want to do is lay out, well, what was God's part? And why did God have to solve the problem anyway? And then what's our part? Now, we do have a problem. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. That's a big dilemma. That means everybody that you look around today, everybody you see in this room today, they're sinners, all right? So just look at your neighbor and just tell them, you're just a little sinner. Just tell them, you're a little sinner. <laughs> uh, don't say that to your wife, though. Just be like, you're a beautiful little sinner. You're such a beautiful, lovely sinner. You're so lovely today. 
Now, there's nobody righteous, not even one. Everybody has mistakes. Everybody has made bad decisions. The Bible says sin is a selfish attitude where we do something that's against the will or the word of God. Romans 3, 23 says, for all of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory. That's everybody. Every single person has ever lived from the very best of the people. You put Mother Teresa, scale to 1 to a 100. You put Mother Teresa, where are you going to put her? She's a pretty good gal, right? We're going to be like, what, maybe at 90? I'm not sure. What about Billy Graham? He's got to be up there pretty much. Maybe he's like a 91, maybe he's an 89. I don't know. But uh, where are you on that scale? I mean, if Billy Graham's at a 90, maybe you're like going, wow, I've I'm like a 61 and a half. I don't even know where I'm at on that. I heard one preacher say, Jesus makes up the difference between where you are and 100. Jesus makes up the difference. In other words, uh, he realized we had a problem. And the problem is all of us have sinned. All of us fall short of the standard of God. Now, Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, the penalty that you and I owe for our sin is a death penalty. Not just death penalty on this side of heaven, but it's an eternal separation from God. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 says, your iniquities or your sins have separated you from God. We have a holy God who has nothing to do with sin. And so we are separated. And so man's dilemma has always been, how will we get back in right relationship with God? How will we get back with him? And faith system after faith system, system developed people trying to get their way back to God, build their way back to God. And you look at every faith system that's out there, what you will find is this. Each of them starts at the same place. Man and man building himself his way back to God. If I can only be good enough, if I can only check enough boxes, if I can only do enough things, somehow God will say that's good enough. But the Bible says even if you have one sin in your life, that sin separates you from God. Christianity is unique in this. That why instead of man building our way to God, it is God building his way back to us. So what is God's part? This is actually what I'm going to read is called the gospel. This is God's part. What would God do about our sin problem? How would he solve this? Well, let's read the other part of these scriptures that I just read a minute ago. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, yeah, we had a problem, but on the other side, God gave us a solution. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but they are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. So God's part is that he would remove our sin problem, that he would pay the penalty that we owe, the death penalty on the cross. And he had this planned out from the very beginning of time, right from Genesis, where Adam and Eve sinned and separated themselves. God knew that he would provide a way of escape. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. They won't perish they won't die separated from God for eternity, but they will have everlasting life. Now, those of you who have been in church for a while, you've heard this story so many times. Sometimes it becomes um, second nature. Sometimes you can think, well, it's an old story. Maybe we can even become a bit apathetic to it. And so I've appreciated the times over the years where something reminds me of the power of the gospel. And several years ago, I had a guy walk into my office. It was in the middle of the week. He was a mechanic. His name was Gary, I know because it was on his shirt. His hands were rough. He introduced himself to me, 
He was a local uh, transmission mechanic. And he came into my office one day and he was a broken man. His marriage was falling apart. He was losing uh, his child, his young son, from the, 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 the struggles that they were having in their marriage. And, and so he was really just broken, did not know where to go, did not know what to do. And to be honest with you, I didn't have many answers for him. If it was just purely a counseling session, what do you say? Hey, buck up, little camper, everything's going to be okay, right? And so I didn't know what else to do except to offer him the good news that God has for his life. And I said, Gary, can I tell you, I don't have a lot of answers for the problems you're facing, but I, can, I have an answer for the biggest problem that you and I face. And I have good news for you today, Gary. God loves you. God loves you more than you could ever imagine. God loves you just where you are. He loves you just how you are. He loves your personality. God created you. And by the way, Gary, God has plans for your life. I know right now you can't see the plans, but Gary, God loves you so much. And, and the Bible says that, that he has plans for your life, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a great hope and a future, Gary. I know you can't see it today, but trust me, God loves you so much. But Gary, you and I have a problem, and that problem's a sin problem. And Gary, you're not perfect, are you? And he was like, heck, no, I'm not perfect. So he didn't say heck. And first hour, I actually said it. I was like, I blame the medication. I blame the medication. And uh, so anyway, I was like, heck, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I have a problem. And, so, and, and I'm like, well, yeah, you're, you're messed up. And here's the deal, Gary. You may think coming into church today, I've got it all together. And I'm just telling you right now, Gary, I do not have it together either. And so I'm right there with you. We all are sinners. And by the way, Gary, there is a penalty that you owe for that sin and that sin problem and that is a death penalty that you would be eternally separated from God and by this time Gary is not only broken from his things that he's processing in his life Gary is broken from this message in a very powerful way and I said but Gary God loved you so much that he planned from the very beginning of time that he knew you'd be in this moment right now today that Gary God knew that you would need him that that he knew that you would need his salvation and so he provided a way of escape that you don't have to earn it. You don't deserve it. God just gives it to you as a free gift to you. It's called his grace and his mercy. And Jesus Christ came into our world. And Gary, you know the story of Jesus. Yes, he did. I see you believe in God. Yes. And I said at Christmas time, it's not, it's not about a man in a red suit. It's about a, a baby who came into the world as a, a God who came into the world as a baby and lived as a man and, and was sinless and perfect and ultimately ended up dying for your sins and then raising from the dead on the third day. That's what we celebrate at Easter. And, of course, he's familiar with those stories. And I said, Gary, that's how much God loves you. He gave his own life for you. That's how much for God so loved the world that he gave his one only son that whoever would believe in him will not perish but will have eternal life. And Gary, God wants a relationship with you. And, and this at this moment, Gary goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me, and through broken tears he said, you're telling me that's how much God loves me. And I was taken back a bit because I've told this story so many times. Sometimes it loses its power when you tell the story a lot. And yet Gary, hearing it really for the first time and embracing that moment, realizes what God has done and the gravity of what has happened. He said, that's how much God loved me? He died for me? Yeah, Gary. He said, what do I do? I said, well, you need to do your part. And here, here's what the Bible says. You've got to repent and you've got to believe in him and, and you, need to, you need to confess him as your Lord and be baptized. And so on that day, in the middle of the week, with no plan at all, I walked Gary over to the worship center and I baptized Gary into Christ the very first time that I'd ever met him 
ever before. And that day he was washed new. And while it did not answer all of the circumstances and the problems that he faced every single day with his current situation, he still would have to struggle through that. He had a greater hope for a greater tomorrow and hope for eternal life. That is called the gospel. It is called the good news. That is God's part and it is available for everybody. And then there's my part. Now, my part as a preacher today, because I've also have my own part to respond to Christ, but I have my part today, and that's to do this. Romans 10, 14, and 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they anyone preach unless they are sent, as, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Which is why I wore flip-flops today, so that you could see that. Um, it's a joke, it's a joke, it's a joke. I don't even know what that scripture means, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, but I do know this, that God wants us to all be that person, to be someone who preaches the gospel or shares the gospel with other people so that other people will know and believe and will hear. And so what I'm doing today is my part in sharing the good news with you. And, and when, I, when I talk about your part here in a minute, realize these aren't my words, these are God's words because I'm just presenting those to you, and that is my part. Now, what is your part? Your part is to respond. First, with faith or belief. Faith in God and Christ's payment for sin on the cross is the primary condition for salvation. Because God did His part, and it's available for everybody, but not everybody's going to receive that. Nobody's going to accept that gift. But the Bible says if you do want to receive it, you have to believe it. Mark 16, 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Hebrews eleven six. without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You need to have faith in God and in Christ. That's the reason all summer we've been through this series called Got Questions. We've been dealing with those heady questions of faith. Is there a God? How do I know he loves me? What did Jesus do for me? How do I know the Bible is true? What does God do with pain and problems in life? And why do those even exist? And we answer question after question after question to try to buffer your faith. And if you still have questions, I would encourage you, if you didn't hear those, go back and listen to those messages. And in those messages, we also gave you other resources so that you can study. Belief in Christ is critical. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. So you need to have faith. But it's not just belief in your head. The Bible says even the devil believes, and how many of you know the devil's not going to heaven? So it's not just an easy believism, just I've just now believe it and therefore it's going to happen. No, it's a faith, which means I believe it and now I'm going to act on that belief. And so the next thing we do is we repent. Repentance is admitting that you have sinned and pledging that you will try to stay away from sin. The, lure, the word repent literally means a 180. It's, it's like a BMX biker who goes one way and turns around and goes the other way. It's you men, if you are on your way to a party with your wife and you're driving and you pass the turnoff for the party or the celebration and your wife very humbly and lovely says, I, I think you just missed the turn, you idiot. And then you're driving down the road and about you say, no, 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 I'm the man. I know what I'm doing. You know, I don't need to do anything. I, this is way before GPS when this illustration actually used to work for me. But anyway, so now you drive down the road 10 minute, more minutes. You get to a gas station and you realize, you start to realize this is taking longer than I think. You ask the gas station attendant, hey, where is blah, blah, blah location? And they say, oh, it's about 10 minutes down the way 
And then you have to go back and your wife very humbly and sort of um, like a little smile on her face because she realizes that she did marry an idiot. And, uh, and now they are going back to the party. So you turn back around and here you are headed back to the party. That physical turning around to go to the celebration is actually what the word repentance means. It means you're going one way in your life and you realize you can turn around. Now, this is, applies to everybody, by the way, good people and not very good people. This applies to the good Mr. Goodwrenches in your life and the Mr. Badwrenches in your life. This applies if you have one sin in your life or if you have millions of sin in your life. Everybody has to come humbly before God and realize that they need Him as an answer. They need to repent. The Bible says in Luke 13, I tell you, unless you repent, you too will all perish. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. God wants everyone to repent. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And then the first gospel message, when the people said, what should we do when we've heard the gospel now? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Repentance is often accompanied with tears, because the, the person realizes how far they are from God. And they come and repent. But repentance is not just a one-time event. It might be a moment-by-moment, day-by-day, week-by-week time where you say, God, I acknowledge over and over again that I've got a long way to go and I need your help. And then be baptized. Now, baptism is commanded by Jesus in the Scripture, Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So baptism is commanded. And so when we elevate baptism as the standard here, or as a standard here, it's, it's because Jesus commanded that to happen. Biblical baptism is our declaration of faith in Jesus, and it's our commitment to Him as Lord. In the first gospel sermon again, when the people said, what should we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Later in chapter 22, Ananias said, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sin, calling on His name. The moment that people heard the gospel, they responded by saying, I want to be obedient in being baptized. Galatians 3.27, for all of you who were baptized into Christ, you have clothed yourselves with Christ. You have said very publicly and declaring your commitment to Christ as Lord that you are now putting on the clothing, the team garments of Christ. Yesterday, Jason played in a scrimmage, Lebanon against Franklin. And it was the 8th grade scrimmage on one side of the field and the 7th grade scrimmage. And I very happily and not so humbly say we kicked their little Franklin tails, which was very great. It was very, it was great. very celebratory, you know. I was like, yay! And it was just a scrimmage, but still, I liked it. And uh, anyway, so our team, though, we wore maroon. Their team, they wore black and white. It was very easy to distinguish which team was which because one team had maroon, one team had black and white. It wasn't as if they all wore the same colors. But our team had the same colors on. And what I'm saying is that when you are baptized in Christ, you are telling the world, I am clothed with Christ. I'm on his team. I I believe in Christ. I have repented of my sins. I am with Jesus, and I am on his team. But the meaning of baptism is even deeper than that. Romans 6, chapter chapter 6, verse 3 and 6. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, 
we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. There is something that is mysterious, something that's incredible when somebody says, I want to die to my old way. I want to be buried. I want my sin to be washed away. I want to be raised to new life. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21 says, And this water symbolizes baptism and now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is God's salvation that's offered to us, that's extended to us. It is Jesus Christ that saves. But when we believe in Him, and when we repent of our sins, and when we say, yes, we accept God's gift of grace, we declare that. And are committed to that when we say, I want to be baptized into Christ. I want Christ to be my Lord. Now, in the Bible, every baptism was by immersion. We know that because the word baptizo in Greek meant to dip under. Some of you grew up in a tradition where maybe you were sprinkled or maybe they poured water on you or something like that. And that happened many, many years later. In the year um, 1311, sprinkling became a practice of the Catholic Church. One of our goals is, as a church, to get back to what they did in the New Testament. So when we baptize people, we baptize them by immersion. We dip them underwater. Oftentimes, it's in our horse trough, um, not-so-elegant baptism tank. Today, it will be in a very beautiful baptismal pool. It does not really matter. But we, we dip people under to demonstrate that death, burial, and resurrection because it best symbolizes that. There is no example in the Bible of someone being sprinkled. And so some people will ask me, are you saying that I must be immersed? And I always say, my part is not to do what any other church does. My part is to simply tell you what the scripture teaches. And so if the scripture didn't have an example of sprinkling, I just simply teach. You say, well, are you saying I'm not a Christian if I've never done that? I say, that's God's part. God's part is to determine uh, how, what the sincerity of someone and when they're making their decision, what their motive is and things like that. I don't sit in the judgment seat. I sit in the presenter's seat. So I just present the message, and that is believe in Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, confess him as Lord, and be baptized into Christ. So we have everybody here. Even if you were sprinkled, we've got some people today over at the, the, the baptismal pool that we're going to that grew up in a different tradition, and they're going to be baptized like millions of other followers of Christ have done. They're going to be dipped underwater, demonstrating their death, burial, and their resurrection. We also believe that baptism is, is, is for those who are old enough to believe and repent. There is no example in the Scripture of an infant or, or a young child who did not understand the Scripture to be, become a Christian. And so because of that, we wait until children are old enough to believe. No one can make this decision for you. You're the only one who can make this decision. And so when you come to that time, even if your parents did it, and even if you grew up in a church tradition where you eventually had faith in Christ, that's great. Now, come to a point where you say, I have decided to follow Jesus. And if you have not done this and been baptized by immersion, you haven't made your own decision, I want to challenge and encourage you to do that even today. Then, you need to confess and be faithful to Christ. We need an ongoing admission of commitment to Him. So yes, I'm going to believe. Yes, I'm going to repent. Yes, I want to be baptized. And now I'm going to confess Christ both with my life when I make my decision and I want to be faithful to Him. Claiming Christ as Lord is your first confession. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Matthew 10, 32, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. 
at our church, we follow what's called the great, uh, we have a good confession of faith. And Peter really said this to Jesus one day when Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, for even confessing this. So when you make a commitment to Christ, we have you repeat a good confession of faith. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he's my Lord and he's my Savior. I told you maybe before, but years ago, I forgot the good confession of faith. And it was in a moment at a church, a different church, and there were hundreds of people in the room, and we had just had somebody come forward. Back then, we had people come forward, and it was all very public and things like this. And we had somebody uh, come forward, and they said, uh, do you, I said, do you believe in Jesus? And they repeated a good confession, and they were going to be baptized that day. Well, the very next lady was a lady named Lisa that I knew her family pretty well, and she was going to place membership with our church. Well, back in those days, we didn't do a starting point class. We just had people, whoever wanted to, if you were immersed in Christ already, you already, you were already a Christian, and you wanted to make a public confession, you could just confess, and then you were part of our church. That was it. You're in. You know, you got the secret handshake. I don't know, but they were in, okay? And so I said, all right, Lisa, I've just taken somebody else's confession. And I said, Lisa, would you repeat after me? We're so glad you're here. So glad you're part of our church. I said, would you repeat after me? I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Christ. And I wasn't even on medication, but like, I like totally went blank. Like, what is the rest of the good confession? You know, I'm like in a moment of like, oh no, and there's hundreds of eyeballs looking at me. And I, I, I'm sort of off, off track now and I'm distracted. And everybody in the church knows me well enough to know this guy completely forgot the good confession of faith. So they all start laughing. Like, this is the funniest thing they've ever seen. And then I didn't know what else to say, so I said, look, I believe it. I just don't remember it. And they were all, now they really laughed. And in a moment of really comedic relief, Lisa, who I knew her family well, and she'd been around a long time, she grabs the mic and says, well, why don't you just repeat after me? You know? (laughs) And, uh, okay, humbling. So, guys, I believe it, all right? I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is my Lord and my Savior. And when you do that the first time, you're proclaiming that to everybody publicly, but you're also doing it on a regular basis, day in, day out, day in, day out. You're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You're confessing that Christ is your Lord. Thomas said when he realized Christ resurrected, you are my Lord and my God. And, friends, listen, if you don't do it now, you will at some point bow your knee and confess to him Philippians chapter 2, verse 11 says, Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's when Jesus comes back. Every knee will bow, it says. So, but if you wait till then, it's too late. You've got to bow your knee to him when you understand what I've shared with you today, the gospel, the good news. Make that profession of faith. Be baptized into Christ. And then faithfulness is this ongoing confession through your life that Jesus is Lord. Hebrews 3.14 says, We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end. We have confidence that we had it first. 2 Peter 3.18, But now grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So don't just believe, but grow in him. Revelation 2.10, he told to a group of people who were being killed for their faith, Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. And then these two scriptures are not on our screen. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. And then listen to Hebrews 2. We must pay careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore a great salvation? 
This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard it. And if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left for us. What's he saying? Be faithful. Be faithful. It's not a one-time decision. It's a daily decision to be faithful to Christ, the Christ who loved you. And today, we are celebrating some incredible decisions. In fact, this week as well, on Tuesday, Josh and Jess have been leading a discipleship group. Seven people out of that discipleship group are going to be baptized in, I think, the Little Miami River this week, which is awesome. And then today, as of right now, we have six people that are going to be baptized into Christ in this baptismal pool that we are going to after worship today at 1 o'clock. Go get a, yeah. So go get a taco on your way over or whatever and go to the other side of Lebanon. And I encourage you guys to come today and to be a part of this celebration. And by the way, if there are those in here who you have never been immersed into Christ, you've never made that decision, you can come just as you are. We have a really cool t-shirt that says, I have decided on it. That's what we're going to baptize you in. You can bring shorts, stop by, and, uh, and, and we'll, we'll bring a few extra pairs as well. But if you want to make that decision, would you please let me know after worship today? And we would love to include you in what's about to happen here in a few minutes. Our God is good. And God always does his part, even when we don't. God's always faithful. And I want to encourage you guys today to not only let God do his part, you do your part today by responding. Every single one of us, even if we're believers in Jesus, we should be responding with this ongoing confession in our life, this faithfulness to God, because that's what God deserves. God, we thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you, God, for the celebration we're having today. And God, thank you for just the ability to make life-changing decisions. We don't have to be perfect, God, to come to moments like this. In fact, if we were perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus. But we do need Jesus. And we need moments of decision like this. And sometimes people say, I'm just not good enough. I'll wait till I'm a little bit better. And if we wait till we're better, God, we know we'll never be better. We'll never be good enough. We need to come to this moment of decision because just like in the Bible, they made this commitment the same hour of the night, the same hour that they heard the gospel, they responded in faith because they knew that they wanted their life to be changed. They wanted forgiveness of sins. They needed, they needed heaven because no man has promised another moment on this earth. There is no reason to delay. And God, if there are those who maybe grew up in a different faith tradition, I just pray that they would embrace this moment as a moment to say, I, I want to be, I do want to follow the scripture. I didn't even realize that they didn't sprinkle people there. I, I want to do it because I want to celebrate the way they did in the Bible. And, and we'll celebrate with them today. So God, whatever the commitment is today, just pray you would remind us all to keep you first in our lives. Thank you, God, for your grace and the freedom that you offer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship.